Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This episode is brought to our church by our assistant pastor, Carlos Farias. We hope that this message will be an encouragement to you, and we would love to hear how God used it in your life. Before I get started tonight, I just want to thank Pastor for giving me the opportunity to preach, and uh, just excited to preach to you all tonight. And, you know, I usually, I'm usually downstairs with the kids, so... It's nice to preach to adults uh, from time to time, and uh, just excited for tonight as we're in Ephesians chapter 2. Uh, if you're there in verse, uh, chapter 2, follow along with me in verse number 1. And you had the quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and the mind, and we and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who was rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace are you saved, and hath raised us up together and made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are you saved through faith, and not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Let's pray before we continue on. Father, I just want to thank you so much for uh, giving us the opportunity and freedom to be in your house tonight. Uh, Lord, we just thank you for what you've been doing this year. We're so thankful for the amazing anniversary that we were able to have here at Muslim Baptist Church, Lord. And I know we're just excited for uh, what is in store for us in the future. I pray you continue to help us to be faithful to just serve you and follow after you, Lord. We pray, Lord, you'd be with Easter coming up here just in a couple weeks, that you would just uh, work a great miracle, Lord, that you would bring many guests here, Lord, that we'd see people saved. I pray you just help us tonight, Lord, as we uh, just open your word and see what you have for us tonight. Help us to obey. That is what you, what you speak to us about. We love you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. So if you don't, if, in Ephesians, we know that uh, Paul was, he, he ministered to them uh, about, their, about his last missionary journey, so his third missionary journey. And when he wrote this, he was actually in prison and had a man named Tychicus deliver this letter. So in the first part of this passage, it starts out really like, kind of like a big, big idea where he's telling them, like, you were dead in your trespasses and sins. There's something that we all have in common here tonight. We all have, but we all have our different personalities. Our, we have similar likes and similar dislikes, and we like all kinds of different stuff. We have different names. We, we come from different walks of life. But one thing that we all have in common from, that we can see in this passage is that we were all born into this world dead, not physically, but spiritually. And if we are saved here tonight, we know what it's like to be spiritually dead because when you were born into this world, you were born separated from God. And we know, that, we know what it's like to be in that state. Whether you got saved at a young age or whether you got saved later in life, you know what it's like to be under the power of the, of the devil. You know what it's like to be separated from God and to be dead spiritually. So if we're saved here tonight, we should never allow ourselves to fall asleep spiritually. We shouldn't, go, we shouldn't have to go back to the life that Christ died for us after, we, after we've already been saved. Has anyone ever here, in here been in a science class where you had to dissect an animal or observe 
you know, the, de- the, decomp- the decom- decomposition of an animal. I remember in high school, I took a class called zoology. It's not zoology because if it was, there'd be three O's. Okay, so it's zoology, and if you don't believe me, you have to look it up. But I took a class in, called zoology in high school. I think I was in 10th grade. And the teacher just said one day, all right, who in class wants to bring a dead rabbit? And, you know, I didn't live, in the, I didn't live out in the country or anything, so I couldn't bring a dead rabbit. That would be, that would be kind of gross anyways. So one of the kids uh, said, okay, I'm going to bring a dead rabbit. And he ended up bringing a dead rabbit. And when I think about that point in my life, and I, I wasn't a Christian, but as I thought about it, writing this sermon, you know, that dead rabbit didn't have to make any effort to stay dead. You know, he didn't have to just convince it to stay dead. Uh, the rabbit was just dead. Okay, so we just we observed and documented the decomp- decomposition of its of its death. Of course, we know that people who are saved cannot lose their salvation. But if they are living their life contrary to God's word, their relationship with God is surely going to grow distant. We know the truth of Jesus' sacrifice brought us from death to life. So let's not let ourselves as Christians become at that point in our life where our sin is has affected us so much that we just, we're not in that close walk with the Lord. Tonight, we're going to look at three truths about death from Ephesians chapter 2. The first truth is that death was inevitable. It says in uh, verse 1 and 2, And you hath he quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that Spirit, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. He's telling them that you used to do these things. He's writing to, he's writing to this church. He said, you used to do this. And the reason that you're not, you're not anymore is because of what Christ did for you. Turn to Genesis chapter 3, if you're with me. We're going to read a portion of scripture there. says in verse 1, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said ye should not eat of every fruit of the garden? And the woman said unto the serpent, we, meet, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest ye die. We know earlier in, the, uh, earlier in Genesis that God had gave, given them given them all these trees that they could eat of. I mean, who knows what was in there, right? Probably some really good stuff that, that they could have had. And one of the things I noticed about Eve is that she remembered what God said. She remembered the, the order or the direction that God gave her, and she still just chose what she wanted, right? And a lot of times in our life, we know what the Bible says. We know what God wants us to do, and then we just do what we want to do anyways. And I, I, feel, I feel like we can, we can relate to what Eve did in this passage. And the servant says, you're not going to die. And in verse 5, For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the, that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. And the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. 
And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called, called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid, because I was naked and hid myself. And he said, Who told thee that thou was naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee that shouldest not eat? And the man said, The woman that thou gavest with me to be with me, she gave me the tree, and I did eat. So what happens here is that this, this is what happens, right? Death was now inevitable for man when Adam and Eve made the choice to sin willingly against what God had told them. And that is when it started, right? That's when he died, right? But he, he died spiritually. He was now separated from God, and now he needed that. He needed something, an, an atonement to make up for what he, what he had done. And that's exactly what Romans 5.12 says. Romans 5.12, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Because of that one time that Adam's, Adam and Eve sinned, that death passed upon, uh, passed upon all men. And no, one's, no one is, uh, is excluded from that. Anyone who is born into this life is born without, without the Holy Spirit, born separated from God. We don't like to think of ourselves as dead. We want to think that we're doing really well in our, especially in our Christian walk. But I like when the psalmist, when he cried out to God, search me and know me and clean me, oh God. The psalmist, you know, he was willing for God to search him. He was willing for God to tell him where he needed to grow. A lot of times we as Christians think that we're doing really well. But if we, if we just, if we just uh, ask God to search us, maybe there's some things that we can work on. Because we're all not, we're all not there yet. We're all not to the pinnacle. There is a satanic control over the one who is dead. Ephesians two and verse two. Wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, and the spirit that now works in the children of disobedience. Man, when we, we when we weren't saved, we were we were under the under his power. We were under Satan's power, and we we didn't have God to help us with temptation. We didn't have the Holy Spirit to guide us in truth. We were the children of disobedience. That's what we were. And Lucifer wanted to, you know, we know the story of Lucifer, right? So he was in heaven and man, he wanted that praise that God got. And he said, I want to be like the most high. And without Christ, we are under Satan's control. Satan is a liar. We know that in John eight forty four it says, Ye are of, the, of your father the devil, and the lust of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and abode not in truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. Anytime that we allow Satan to influence us in our choices, anytime we allow Satan to tell us anything, we're listening to a liar. When we give Satan any, anything, like if we, if we give him our emotions, anything, Satan says, just like he said to Adam and Eve, you're not going to die. I mean, he was twisting what God has said to them to make them end up in this situation. So anytime we listen to Satan, we're listening to a liar. 2 Corinthians 4.4, 4, In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the lie of the glorious gospel of Christ, 
who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Man, Satan's goal is to stop everybody from ever experiencing the light of Jesus Christ. He, he is so furious about what is happening at Mosley Baptist Church, what's happening at churches that, of all over the area, churches of like faith that are seeing people saved. And he hates it. He hates when people get, they, they get their eyes opened by the, by the gospel of Christ. And that's the whole reason that Christ had to come to this earth to die for us because his glorious gospel would, would help them not to be blind anymore. Can I tell you that Satan, you know, he does all these things, right? He's, he's mischievous. He, he wants to ruin us. But can I just tell you that his end is destruction. God's plan for Satan is destruction. In Revelation 20 and verse 10, and the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and, the brim, and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. Man, we don't have to, you know what the awesome thing about Satan's attacks is? Is that we don't have to fight them ourselves. If we're saved here tonight, again, God wants you to come to him in that time of temptation because the temptation is not when we're sinning, right? Temptation is not the sin. It's when you act upon that temptation is when it becomes a sin. And in that, in that moment of temptation, man, God wants us to go to him. He knows that Satan wants to sift us as we. He knows that, man, Satan wants to ruin my testimony. But God says, just come to me, I got you. Just come to me. Don't try to fight him on your own. Without Jesus Christ, we're under the curse of sin and destined to an eternity of hell of separation from God. That's why Jesus was here all in the first place. In John 3, 36, he that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. And he that believeth not the, son, not the Son shall not see life. But the wrath of God abideth on him. Turn your Bibles with me, if you will, to Luke 16. Luke chapter 16. Verse 19, <clears throat> it says, There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuous every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus which was laid at his gate full of stores and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his stores. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried, and in hell he lifted up his eyes, being in torment, and seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried unto and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted, and thou art tormented." And besides all this, between us and you, there is a great goal fixed, so they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us, that they would come from thence. Now, this passage is really sad. We see a man who was rich, who had everything he could have ever imagined on earth, someone who had a great title, a great status, who honestly probably had the time of his life while he was on earth. And then we had a man named Lazarus who who had, to stay, who had to sit at the gate, who had to beg for food, and the dog came and licked his sores. He probably never had a good day. He probably never had a good day. Right? He, every day, you probably just felt like, you just felt miserable. 
I, I couldn't even imagine what Lazarus went through. But the thing about everyone is that we're all in a spiritual state. At the end of our lives, it doesn't come down to our financial status, how many times we attend church, no matter how much of, the, of a good person we think we are, what matters, if we, what matters is if you and I have put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ to save us from our sins. Romans 3.10, as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Man, death was inevitable, but has I love that's not, that's not where it ends. We're going to be celebrating it in just a few weeks, but death was defeated. Death was defeated when Jesus Christ came to this earth and lived a perfect life. Verse number four of Ephesians 2. I love this part. When the first three verses, you know, it's kind of, you did all these bad things, you lived a wicked life, and then Paul gets to the punchline here. He says, but God, who is rich in mercy for his great love wherein, wherewith he loved us, now, how, did, how, how much did God love us? He loved us enough to send his son for us to die on the cross. That's why death was defeated. In 1 Corinthians 15, it says, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preach unto you, which also you have received, and wherein you stand, by which also you are saved, if you keep in memory what I preach unto you, unless you have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried and that he rose again on the third day according to the scripture. And Christ came to bring life. We can only find that true eternal life through Jesus Christ and what he did for us. 1 Corinthians, no, yeah, Christ came to bring life. Jesus said in John eleven twenty five, when Brian preached the last week, he said to her, Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. I, I love this verse because, man, Jesus is really the only way to have that eternal life. You wonder why people get so mad when you ever, whenever you bring that up. They think that there's so many different ways that I can earn my way to a paradise or a heaven. But the reason that they get so offended is because they, Jesus is exclusive. He, he is the only way. And if you believe that what the Bible says and you believe that Jesus was God, then you know that he, he was telling the exact truth is that I am the resurrection. He is the only one who came back from the dead and conquered the grave. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. John 10, 10 says, the thief cometh not, but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Isn't it wonderful when God steps into the mix Romans 5, 8 says, But God commendeth his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath, that, wrath through him. For if we, when we were enemies, were rec we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement. If you ever wondered why Jesus actually had to go through with dying on the cross? It's because that the Bible says without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. Jesus Christ knew that. He knew that he had to shed his blood for us to, to cover us with that atonement so God could see his righteousness on us. 
Remember, Jesus had, Satan was trying to tell Jesus, man, you could just call a thousand angels and you could just go, you can have all the fame and status without the death. And Satan knew what he was saying because he was, but Jesus knew. Jesus knew what God's plan was for his life and he willingly, willingly went through with it. John three sixteen for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believed in him should not perish but have everlasting life. If you ever want to get reminded of how much God loves you, just read some of these verses. Put your name in those verses. For God so loved Leo, for God so loved Danny, God so loved Terry, God so loved Nick. When you, you, when you go through your life, you get really busy, and you forget the small, you forget the simple truths about, about what God does for you. And God's love is so sacrificial for you, so unconditional towards you, that he literally sacrificed his own son. And I'm not a, I'm not a parent, you know, I, I had a dog once, so uh, I love that dog, and, you know, he, it was sad when he died, okay? It was, it was pretty sad. But you no, know, Jesus, who, who God loved, you know, he, he knew what was going to happen. But you know why God had that plan is because that was the only way that we were ever going to be able to spend eternity in heaven. You ever think about it? God actually wanted you and I to be with him in heaven? We go, but why would he send his son to do all this, you know, to die on the cross? Because he actually wants us there with him. That's just so awesome to think about. Be motivated by the love God has for you. If you, if you, go, out, if you go every day and just pray, God, help remind me of how much love you have for me. And it will motivate you to live so much better. It'll help you to go through to your workplace, to wherever you are throughout the week, and just show that love to other people. Hopefully people look at you and say, how can you be so nice? How can you be so friendly? How do you have that kind of love? Well, it's not anything I can do. It's from the Father who gave his life for me. You may ask yourself from time to time, it's not a bad thing to ask questions. It's not a bad thing to have questions. And one of the ones that we have often asked ourselves, why would God step in? In verse, Psalm 86, in verse 5. For thou, Lord, art good and ready to forgive, and plenteous in mercy unto all them that call upon thee. Never verse 4 said, but God who is rich in mercy, who has so much mercy. First Peter 1 Peter 1.3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Lamentations 2, 3, and 22 and 23. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. You see the, you see the picture here? God's mercy. God's mercy abundantly towards us. Why would he step in? Because he's a merciful God. I don't understand why, you know, you tell someone who doesn't know about Jesus Christ and they say, man, I don't want that. But if they really just knew how much mercy and love God had for them, why wouldn't they want that? When we have Easter coming up, why, why wouldn't someone want a, a God who loves them and has so much mercy for them? That's because they're just believing all the lies that Satan is telling them. If you're in here tonight and you haven't made that decision, 
Satan's going to keep telling you that you have so much time to make decisions for God, that you have so much time to, to get saved. But really, we don't know how much time we have. That's what I, I, I try to tell the kids all the time. You can't wait to serve God. Just serve God now. If you're already saved, don't let Satan tell you that, man, you're, you're still young. You're not going to get in trouble for doing these things. No, just say, you know what, Satan? It says in James, resist the devil and flee temptation. God has quickened us to be born again. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Man, when we got saved, we became a new creature in Christ. So why would we ever want to just go back to the way that we were? Because we still live in the flesh. That's why God has designed it that we are dependent on him because we need his Holy Spirit and his power to get through the struggles of life. Man, just because we're saved tonight doesn't mean that God said, now all your struggles are going to go away. No, I love that. Like in Matthew 11, it says, Come unto me, all that you labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest unto your souls. So many times in life we get busy. We, we're not, not necessarily doing bad things. We're distracted and busy with work and things that are good on the surface, and we get a little worn out. We, come, we become a little burnt out because we're not going to God for that rest. Going from death to life is a regeneration. It's like, a, it's like if you've ever watched a caterpillar turn into a butterfly. Now, you, especially if you show a kid, it's like for the first time, it's like a really, really cool experience to see this like little hairy bug on the stick and it, gets, and, it be, and, it, and it goes into a cocoon and then all of a sudden, a few weeks later, it comes out a beautiful butterfly. And that's kind of like us. We were just ugly little sinners and, uh, you know, God said, I need to save these bugs. And uh, I'm going to send my son to die on the cross for you. And whoever accepts me, man, they're going to become a new creature. They're going to be something new in me. Old things are passed away that Paul was, Paul was writing to them. He said, you used to walk according to the course of this world, according to the prince of power of the air among whom also we have all had our conversation in times past and the lust of the flesh. He's saying you used to do all these things. Remember where you're going from now. Remember what Christ did for you. And uh, the, another truth about death tonight is that death is powerless. Look in Ephesians 2 and verse 5. Even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace are you saved. And that word quicken just means to make, to make us alive. When we were dead in our spiritual state, what Jesus Christ did for us quickened us when we put our faith in him. I'm so thankful that death, doesn't, death didn't have power over Jesus Christ. Three days later, he rose and conquered the grave. He conquered death, and death in, in our life is powerless. When we get saved, we were raised up together with Jesus Christ. We are no longer dead in our sins under the power of Satan. Verse 2 says, you used to be under the power of Satan. You used to be under the power of the prince of this world. But now God has made you alive. He has quickened you, and you're no longer under that power. But oftentimes we find ourselves struggling with what God saved us from. And he's trying to tell them, 
Look, the church of Ephesus, you used to do these things, but you don't have to anymore because you are now a new creature in Christ. Whether you've been saved for five years, one year, or 35 years, it's still true today. You still need God to get you through your daily life. You haven't, you haven't got it all figured out yet. I know I haven't. Salvation is just the beginning for a Christian. Sanctification begins right when you become saved. Sanctification is the process of God turning you and conforming you into the image of Christ. Like in Romans 12, 1 and 2, he says, don't be conformed to this world. Man, be conformed to the image of God. 2 Corinthians, oh, I have it, okay. 2 Corinthians 3.10 says, For even that which was made glorious had no glory in this respect by, by reason of glory that, that excelleth. You have purpose in your life. Let's not question God's plan because it is perfect. Hebrews 2.14 says, For as much then as children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is, the devil. Man, Jesus Christ is, time and time, he's going to defeat Satan in our life. If we, but sometimes we just don't ask God for help. We, we're going through life and we're going through trials and we're just wondering why God is this happening to me. And then he hits you on the head and says, have you even asked for help yet? And I, 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 think, I think a lot of times that happens to us where we just forget we just forget to ask, so don't forget to ask God to help you get through those trials. I think I handed out a few verses, so 1 John 3, 9, whoever has that, if you can help me out with that. First John 3, 5. First John 1 7. In First Corinthians 15 55, it says, O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? Give giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Or but thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans 8, 2 and 3. Romans 6.22. Romans 6.14 and, and 13. Man, if you, if you heard any of these verses, man, God is, has given us the ability to not be under the power of sin. I love that verse where it says, sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. 
But now being made free from sin and become servants of God, to God, you have your fruit of, unto holiness and the end of everlasting life. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. Man, don't let yourself be the dead person. We know that you can't lose your salvation once you've been saved, but don't let yourself be the dead person. Don't be the dead Christian who just walks around and does whatever they feel like, does the first impulse that their flesh desires. That isn't what God has for you. That's not what he wants for you, especially someone who is a child of his. Man, sin doesn't have dominion over you. Sin doesn't have dominion over me tonight. But a lot of, a lot of the times we just let it have dominion over us. You know, why, would we, why would we let it have dominion over us? Because we, we are selfish. We are so full of pride at times that, man, I don't even care that God told me not to do this. So I'm just going to do what I want to do. And we're all guilty of it. I'm preaching to myself here. We, we get so caught up in the good things that we've done. Man, we, I, I deserve to do whatever, a little, a little of whatever I want. <laughs> That's not true. I love doing Bible battles with Brian. We, we talked about a few things, and one of the things is that, man, a lot of the times, we, well, one thing we talked about was the consequences of sin. You know those Old Testament kings and all those things that they did there, all the things they did that messed up? But a lot of times when it comes to our own consequences, our own, we, we think that it doesn't really apply to us. We think that we're the exception to, to sin. But that's not the truth. We know that maybe the consequence isn't someone like in the Bible in, in the Old Testament where their family died or their, their sons lost the throne. Maybe it's not a consequence that's visibly seen by everyone. But it's still going to be a consequence. Maybe it's... Something that you do completely changes who you are now. I think of David and Bathsheba, when he, when he just went after his desire to have adultery with her, there was outside consequences and inward. Because when someone does something like that, it changes who they are. It changes what they, what they think in their mind. And a lot of times we think consequences are confrontational, person to person. But actually the consequence is what happens inside of you. And every time we get more comfortable in our sin, every time we, we willingly sin against God and we just keep going and going, we start to become apathetic. We start to become distant from him. We know in the Bible that God resists the proud. And when we're sinning, we're full of pride because we think that what the world has for us is better than what God has to offer. And that's just us believing the, that the, the, the devil's lies once again. Nothing in this world is going to suffice other than what Jesus Christ has for you. Having a, re having a walk with the Lord, reading your Bible, praying. We, we heard it so many times, right? Come to church and read your Bible, pray, and uh, do all these other things, right? But re like, read your Bible, pray. Read your Bible, pray. And when does it end? It doesn't. You just keep doing it. Amen. You just keep going and keep growing in the Word. And then, you know, we get tired or we get a little weary. Can I just remind you what Romans 6, 1 says? What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin 
Remember, we're, we're Christians. We're, if we're saved, we're dead to sin. And he's saying, if we're dead to sin, why are we living in it still? Know you not that so many of us, were, as we're baptized into Jesus Christ, we're baptized into his death? Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Man, Paul is saying, how shall we, how shall we at Moses Lake Baptist Church who are dead to sin live any longer therein? How can we still have an appetite to do things that God knows we sh- has told us we shouldn't? And I, I remember teaching a, a lesson uh, when I was entering in Virginia, and it was, it was about the resurrection, and we, we know about the resurrection, right? Jesus was crucified in, in front of people, people all, people all over the crowd who, who chanted, crucify him, crucify him. And they mocked him, and the, we, know the, we know the guards had spit in his face and all that. And we look at that story and say, how, how could they ever do that to the Savior of the world? Who could ever put a crown of thorns on his head? Who, who would rip the flesh from his body? And who would beat him so bad that he wasn't even recognizable? How could they ever do that? How could they sit there and let a, a, a prisoner named Barabbas free who was an actual murderer? Who would actually let him do that? Those people are terrible. But then we wake up and we choose to live in the flesh. We choose to sin willingly, knowing what God has done for us. We're no better than those people. We're no better than those people that shouted, crucify him, crucify him, who spat on his face, who whipped him and beat him relentlessly. We look at those people in the scripture and say, ha, How could they? How could they do that to Jesus Christ, the one who died for me? How could they ever do that to him? But when then we do what our sin, what our flesh wants and what we desire, and we're no better than them. It's as if we were there that day saying, crucify him, crucify him, not caring what he did for us. The Jesus Christ, the you know it, it doesn't end, it's not bad, it's like it's not it doesn't end badly for us. Right, it ended very badly for Jesus Christ. He had to die for us. But First John one nine, he is he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. When we are gonna mess up, that is just how this life works. That's how that's just how living in the flesh is gonna be until we have our perfected bodies. But that's no excuse to sin willingly. There's no excuse to just do what we want. The fact that we know we're going to mess up is okay. But don't let it drive you away from a relationship with God. Don't get to the end of your life and say, I wish I would have been to church more. I wish that I would have read my Bible more, but it's too late now. Live now for God. Do the things you, sh- you know you should be doing now. God has already forgiven you. He knows you're going to mess up. Hey, your, your sins are as far as the east is from the west. But don't hold on to 1 John 1, 1, 9 as some lucky rabbit's foot. Don't hold on. Don't, oh, if I mess up, I know I can pray 1 John 1, 9. I said that in my last message, and Brian made a gift of me. So, uh, Brian, you want to make another one, do it. It's still true. You know, don't, don't let yourself live in guilt. 
That's another way that Satan is going to want to mess you up. You know that you mess up, you feel really bad, and you just, home. Oh, you know, pastor's done it before. It's not humility to walk around and say, oh, poor me. I'm messed up. I'm stupid. Right? Pastor's done that before. We know that illustration. Man, don't just realize that God loves you. And he, he's forgiven you when you mess up. But just don't, don't, don't be in sin. We're dead to sin. We're Christians. We're, we were quickened by Jesus Christ. We were made alive. Don't let yourself be, don't let yourself fall into that state. We looked at three truths about death. That death was inevitable. And death was defeated by Jesus Christ. And that death is powerless. Man, sin does not have dominion over us. I love that we can live this life and not have to worry about fighting our own battles. Thank you for listening to this message. We hope that it's been an encouragement to you. And if you'd like any further information about our church, we'd like to encourage you to visit mlbc.church.